Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray for the work of the Holy Spirit during this message. For it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can truly hear, that we can see, that we can understand the fullness of your word, the glory of your word, the majesty, the power, the might, the love, the grace, and mercy of your word given to us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Much of the ministry of Jesus was teaching people. And he taught large crowds, very large crowds, and sometimes great crowds. As a matter of fact, the crowd was so great for our reading today that he had to go out into a boat. And one of the ways that he taught people, a prime way that he taught people, was through parables. So what is actually a parable? A parable is a story that helps illustrate a particular lesson. In broad brush, that's what a parable is. You grew up not necessarily with parables, but certainly stories that helped you, right? The little engine that could. I think I can, I think I can, right? Or the tortoise and the hare, or the grasshopper and the ant. These are all actually fables. But parables are designed to impart, almost always, a spiritual truth. And with Jesus, it definitely was a spiritual truth. So his parables taught about salvation, about the Word of God, about the kingdom of heaven, of love, grace, mercy, following Jesus. Now, he often used every common day language with the people. So his parables actually sounded pretty simple. For example, they were in an agricultural or farming community, right? That, that was the era. Everybody farmed. You could see it everywhere. There wasn't a distance like we have now for some people think that food just comes from the grocery store, right? Everybody was a farmer or new farmers. And so Jesus used language such as seed, sower, harvest, things that people would relate to. But as relatable as they were, they were very puzzling. Can you imagine if you were on the shore and you listened to Jesus and all you got was about the soil and that's it? You'd be like, what's going on here? I think he's trying to give us a lesson, but I don't really understand the lesson. It made you actually pay attention, didn't it? It made you really hear to understand. And in fact, that's what this parable is about more than anything. It's about hearing. So the question is, can hearing change your life? And the answer is yes. To help you understand how powerful hearing is, I'm going to show you a short compilation of deaf people who are hearing for the first time. Now, the, the video quality isn't great. These were before, now, I mean, they take place in doctor's offices. This was before high-resolution iPhones and everything like that. 
But I think you're going to get the sense and notice what happens when they hear for the first time. Recording, Lachlan. His first hearing aid. look like an elderly munchkin, but do I sound like one now? There you go. It's beeping. So now technically your device is on. <laughs> Can you tell? Hearing really can change your life. Notice all the reactions. First, there was joy, right? There was just joy that they had. But they were also overwhelmed. A whole new world had opened up to them. This parable today, ultimately, it is about hearing. About hearing and receiving God's word. Of letting it take root in your heart, your mind, and your soul. And when you really hear God's Word and it moves you, you might have reactions like you saw on screen. So let's begin. Let's begin with the sower and the seed. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. By the way, the tendency in this particular parable is just to jump immediately to the types of soil that Jesus uses in the parable. But it begins with the sower and the seed. And the sower would be Jesus in this case. And I want you to notice what it does, doesn't say about the sower here and the spreading of the seed. It does not say that he only sowed seeds on the best ground. He didn't say, all right, this part of the crowd, you stay over there, I'm only going to talk to you. He actually sowed seeds across all types of soil, didn't he? He did not differentiate, but he shared that seed with everyone. 
this should actually just be a lesson in and of itself for us. That sometimes we want to go, well, I'm only going to talk to a person who's going to be receptive, right? But as we share the seed, we should be able to have a desire to share it with everyone along the way. Not just the good seed. What we think is the good soil. So that's the first thing. The other thing is, have you ever really looked at seeds? I mean, I take a look at seeds and I plant them in the ground, I water them, and they grow. But isn't that miraculous? Because in that little tiny seed, it has the full blueprint for that plant. And some plants get very big. I mean, have you ever seen the seed for a redwood? It's a very small, I mean, it's a tiny seed. But redwoods, some of the largest plants, if you will, on the planet. There's one redwood sequoia that is over 360 feet tall. And some of them have been around for thousands of years, literally thousands of years. And yet, as wonderful and powerful as those seeds are for redwood, eventually that redwood does die, doesn't it? But you see, the sower in this parable has a seed that has life and life everlasting in it. It is a very different type of seed. This seed can never be destroyed. And what is this particular seed? It is the Word of God. In Luke's uh, account of this parable, he makes it very clear. He said, Jesus said, the seed is the Word of God. Now, isn't this interesting that Jesus, who is the Word of God, right, says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus, being the Word, shares His Word. The Word. He is sharing Himself and the Gospel message of everlasting life. So we must remember that this parable actually begins with a sower and the Word of God, the very seed. He who has ears, let him hear. So let's talk about the different types of soil. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and birds came and devoured them. So when we're talking about path, we're talking about something like this. You know, if you grew up, I don't know, around here, but certainly in the Midwest, kids would always make paths, right? It's the shortest route to any particular place. And if a path was well tread, trod, 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 okay. If it was well trod, right, the earth would get really, really hard. Well, in Jesus' day, there weren't a lot of paved roads, were there? So there were a lot of paths in various places, and these paths would become very, very hard. And because they would become very hard, the seed couldn't take root. But we're not talking about, we're not talking about dirt here, are we? No, because there's a spiritual aspect to this. So what does the path actually represent? The path re- represents a person whose spiritual condition is hardened 
to the point that the seed has no chance of sprouting. You know, maybe at one time it was good soil. But over time, the path, that person, became very hard and the devil then snatches away that seed, the Word of God. You know, how does this happen, by the way? Well, one of the ways it happens is by indifference. Where people say, ah, you know, it just doesn't really matter. I can go to church, not go to church. I really don't have to read the Bible. And that indifference grows and grows and grows until there's a calcification, if you will, of the very heart. Whatever. You know, whatever. People say, oh, I can just go, you know, worship God out in nature. And, well, you can actually, but when's the last time that the heavens proclaim Christ and that you're a sinner and need a Savior. Other people, they get hardened because of uh, things that happen at, at a church. That the church, the people, didn't live up to the expectation that actually God has of us. Right? And we all fall short in that regard. The church is made up of sinners who are saved. And so we have to learn love, grace, mercy, repentance, forgiveness, all of that. But some people say, well, they weren't perfect. They were hypocrites. And I know how that person really is. And thus they become hardened against faith. And they just leave faith by the wayside. Now, there are other people who are skeptics from the get-go. I won't believe until I have proof, until God writes my name in the sky will I believe. But the devil comes along to the indifferent person and says, you know, whatever. It doesn't really matter. You're fine. To the one who's been hurt, oh yeah, they're just hypocrites anyway. This whole thing is a facade. Just leave, leave Jesus behind. And to the skeptic, well, you don't, need to be, you don't need God to be good. You can be God yourself. So the devil snatches it away. In all of these cases, though, it is a matter of the heart. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. The issue is always the heart. And by the heart, I don't mean just the feelings, right? I don't mean the feelings. When we talk about heart, when the Bible uses the word heart, it is about the full person. The head, the heart, the hands, the soul, if you will. It is about the entire person. And I bet, by the way, you know of people who are truly hard-hearted when it comes to faith, when it comes to Jesus through some of these reasons that I gave or some others that they may have. They are simply hard-hearted. So my question is, is there any hope for a person like that? Why scattered seed on that ground? Why share God's word with them? Because there is help. You see, the word of God can act like a hammer. The word of God really can act like a hammer and break the hardness of someone's heart can provide light, can provide hearing 
Jeremiah write, uh, uh, wrote this. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces? And indeed, that's why we always share, even with skeptics, even with people who are indifferent, even with people who have said, oh, uh, I'm not going to go to church ever again. Because we share the word and let the word do its work. We never give up hope. I mean, isn't that kind of an oxymoron, a pessimistic Christian? Think about this, though. In, on Christmas Eve, I, uh, gave, uh, I recounted the story of Corrie ten Boom, who was in the concentration camp in World War II, and how awful the guards were. And then she came back and to Germany, and it was actually being a missionary, right? And then one of the guards showed up and talked to her after one of the talks. Now, mostly it's from Corey Ten Boone's perspective, right? It's about her and the, the forgiveness that she has to give. But think about the guard. Think of what it would have been like to be a guard at a concentration camp and how hardened your heart would have to be to be a guard in one of those camps and the horrific things that you did. And yet, that guard came to faith in Christ Jesus. So we never give up hope. We always share the seed. He who has ears, let him hear. So there's also another type of soil. Uh, it is it is rocky soil. Other seed fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Okay, so in Palestine, and most of us can probably relate to this, by the way, in Palestine... They have like two, maybe three inches of soil that kind of cover a very rocky landscape. That sound familiar by any chance? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I haven't found the soil here. I found the rocks, but not the soil. But you know what happens when when a seed would fall on that? It can sprout. There's a little bit of moisture and such, but there's not enough there. And so the plant easily withers and dies. So again, we're not talking about soil and particular plants, are we? This would be really about a Christian, somebody who is excited in the very beginning about being a follower of Jesus. They might be newly born again. They might have simply a new faith. And they're excited. I mean, you, you, sometimes Christian, people who have been Christians for a long time kind of go, oh, let's back off. You know, that's a little too much. Turn down the volume. Right? Because they're so boisterous. They're so joyful about it. But, as you know what happens in life, hard times come, right? Could be a financial difficulty. Could be a health issue. It could be whatever issue it could be. And then they fade away. You know, they, they start to think, well, maybe this isn't all that it's cracked up to be. You know, is God even in this? 
This is what Jesus said of these people. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. You know, one pastor, he recounted of a a fellow who uh, was new in the faith, was really excited, and, you know, went to all the different Bible studies. He would share his testimony, and uh, he even chastised members who weren't as zealous as he was. Okay, but then he broke his leg. And he ended up cursing God, cursing his fellow believers, and also started a vindictive lawsuit against an innocent homeowner. Right? He literally just truly fell away when a hard time came. And this is what the pastor said. The pastor said, in retrospect, in retrospect, the problem was apparently that he had a shallow, emotional response to Christ that never fully penetrated his heart. When affliction came, there was immediate rejection and the greening ceased. I'm convinced that this is what makes so many enemies of the faith, that they, uh, faith what they are. They have... Sorry, too many have emotionally tested something. Back up. When affliction came, there was an immediate rejection and the greening ceased. I am convinced that this is what makes so enemies of the faith what they are. Too many have emotionally tasted something of God's power, but not true conversion. Half Christians, we might say. Falling away, they become bitter and jaundiced and remain terribly lost. I've seen this in my ministry as well. There are some people who have been so enthusiastic and then something happens and they drop off the face of the earth. And it's painful to see. This is why here, this is why here, we really focus on growing deep in the love and knowledge of Jesus. Of really having deep roots that sustain you during the hard times. And we all know, we have been, you know, all of us go through hard times. Some of you are going through hard times right now. So you have to have those deep roots. He who has an ear, let him hear. So there's another type of ground then. The Another type of ground is the thorny ground. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. So, this is a person who has made a response to Jesus, right? A first gesture, if you will. But then the cares, the pleasures of the world, carry them away. Kent Hughes put it this way, A heart that is overcome with love for riches and pleasure is not a believing heart. It is This is a lost heart. So let me give you an example. You all know Elvis Presley, right? 
Yep. King of rock and roll. He had 18 number one hits in his career. More than one billion records sold during his short lifetime. One billion. He owned a purple Cadillac, a pink Cadillac, lots of motorcycles, go-karts, golf carts, two airplanes. One airplane had the name of his daughter, Lisa Marie, and the other had the name of Hound Dog 2. It was said that one time, Elvis actually had a plane fly to Dettenberg because he wanted a peanut butter sandwich. Now, he had more money, right, than he knew what to do with. And he had all the pleasures of the world. And yet he became lonely, depressed, addicted to painkillers, and ultimately died at the age of 42. The pleasures of the world choked out a full life in Christ Jesus. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. As for what was, thro- what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Now look, I'm pretty sure none of us have the wealth like Elvis Presley. If you do, talk to me. We could use some, you know? So, we don't have that wealth, but but we do have other things of this world that can be weeds that come and sprout and can choke off the word. It could be as simple as something that's a hobby. Some of us have hobbies, and we are so into our hobbies, they take precedence over the love of Jesus over following Jesus. So you and I have to do our weeding. We have to repent. We have to reprioritize, right? To say, is this, this gives me joy, but is this joy greater than the joy that I have of Christ Jesus? And there's the balance in all of this. You know, Johann Sebastian Bach, Beautiful music that has stood throughout the ages. Yet for all of his music, he did SDG. For God alone. Glory to God alone. So, yeah, you can have something that is powerful in your life. A hobby. But if you do it, do it for the glory of God. He who has an ear, let him hear. So now... Actually, you know what? I skipped that. I'm going to go with this one. I'm just going with the flow today, and I just skipped a slide here. Jesus said, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. He also said, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So seeking him first, which is the point I was making. Seeking him first, not third, second, third, or fourth. All right, now let's talk about the good soil. Other seed fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So, again, we're not talking about soil, so what are we talking about here? Well, these are the people who 
hear and hold fast to God's Word. They accept it. These are people who have surrendered to God and said, Your will be done. They are shaped by the Word. They are shaped by God's love, His wisdom, and they want to be filled by it. You see, people like this are actually filled with the Gospel. That's why we talk about it every week, the Gospel. For that is the Word that truly brings the seed of life and life everlasting. That Jesus Christ came for you, that He died for you, that He rose for you. And those who believe, who hear the Word, who take it in, who cling to it, have life and life everlasting. And Jesus is talking the good soil here. These are the people who love that and never get tired of that. That's the good soil. You know, there's this song, I love to tell the story. I love to tell the story for those who know it best, seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. And when in scenes of glory I sing the new, new song, it will be the old, old story that I have loved so long. When the gospel really takes root in you and it grows in you, and I'm not talking about just taking it in, but that it grows in you, that it envelops you, you start to bear fruit. And this fruit is of two different things. But let's go to Scripture first. As for what was grown on good, sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and another thirty. So what's the fruit we're talking about? It's not health, wealth, and prosperity, although those certainly could come, but we don't hold on to those as the fruit because that fruit, can change, can wither, can fade, right? So the fruit that we're talking about is really twofold. It is a fruit of character, and it is a fruit of sowing. So what do I mean by character? Well, what's the the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and so on. This is the fruit of the Spirit, right? And when you are in his word, when you are following Jesus, when you are being guided by the Holy Spirit, it changes you. It changes you and you start to bear this fruit. And sometimes it's surprising how this fruit comes about. But you will know it because then people will see not just you, but they will see Christ in you. That's the character of this fruit. But there's also the fruit of sowing. And the sowing we're talking about is actually sharing God's Word with others. And now, see, the thing is, I could try to browbeat you into sharing, right? I could try to just make you feel guilty about it. That doesn't work. 
It doesn't work. And it's not what we do here. It's not what Jesus did either. It is the focus of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And when you are alive in the good news of Jesus Christ, you want to share. And that's been our trajectory, if you will, since I came here uh, five and a half, coming up on six years. See, we are working on growing alive and deep. That's been our work. And now we are starting, slowly starting, to grow bold because we've been working on growing alive and deep for this long. And we always continue to grow alive and deep, but it is that next part of come and see, right? That's just the first part of this. But you do it not because I got a quota to fill, right? But because the love of Christ compels you. And you start to sow seeds. And you don't depend on yourself that those seeds come to fruition. You depend on God alone and the work of the Holy Spirit. So it's like Johnny Appleseed, right? Putting a lot of seeds out there. I don't know. And some of those seeds will bear fruit and I will never know it. Some of the seeds that you share will bear fruit and you will never know it. But this is what happens with the good soil. So my question is, can hearing change your life? Yes. And so I am going to leave this message today with how Jesus left it. He who has an ear, let him hear. Amen?